When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome into a new edition of the Patriots Beat Podcast here on the CLNS Media Podcast Network and on Patriots Press Pass on YouTube. I'm Evan Lazar, joined as always by Alex Barth. And Alex, I think after a game like this one against the Titans, a lot of people come after the game, our post-game show included, and talk about the negatives, right? And talk about some of the issues and some of the holes in the performance for the Patriots. And that leads to a lot of fans, and rightfully so, sitting back and saying, wait a second, they won the game by 23 points. They beat the Titans pretty easily by the end of the game in the fourth quarter. Their rookie quarterback threw for 310 yards. Their defense shut them out in the second half. Why does this show sound like the Patriots lost the game. So that's why we made the title here today. Are these first world problems or do the Patriots have legitimate concerns that people are bringing up? And I think when we look back at the dynasty years with Tom Brady and those Patriots teams, we often had similar conversations where we know what championship caliber looks like. We know a, a team that has it operating at all cylinders at a high level. And the Patriots on Sunday didn't look like that, right? They did not look like a team that was operating on all cylinders and doing all those types of things. The question is, first world problems, or are you legitimately concerned about some of the things that you saw on Sunday? Um, I mean, you know, allowing 270 rushing yards isn't great, but I don't know that other teams can necessarily do to the Patriots what the, like, I don't know if they can massively replicate that. There's certainly some things put on tape that other teams can try to replicate. I don't know how they're replicated. I think what you saw is a lot of what I kind of talked about on Thursday when you were trying to to struggle to hype up this game is that Mike Vrabel was going to come ready. Mike Vrabel was going to come ready. He was going to have a game plan. He was going to give the Patriots trouble. And he did it for about three quarters. But this is kind of what the Patriots have been this year when they get in these close games and they pull ahead in the fourth quarter. So I, you know, I, again, 270 rushing yards isn't good, but I don't know that you walk away from that game feeling worse about the team. It's not, you know, they didn't beat them at full strength. I, I wouldn't call it their best win of the year. I still think the Chargers win was probably better as a better team given what they had, given what the the Titans had at their disposal on Sunday. Uh, You know, they were on the road for that Chargers game. I, you know, better quarterback, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you, I think any less of the Patriots after that game. I think anybody who tells you that is just looking for reasons to be negative. Uh, That was a good quality win. And it's, it goes back to something else I've talked about quite a bit. Good teams win games their way. Great teams can win when they can't win their way. And I think a lot of what the Patriots want to do the Titans took away on Sunday and they still found a way to win the game. So that's an encouraging sign moving forward in terms of mental toughness and all of that. Yeah. I, I think that that's a really good way to putting it in. And the fact is that you look at the Patriots winning a game and Mac Jones putting up over 300 yards passing 
in a performance that when you go back and evaluate a lot of it throw by throw with Mac, and we're going to talk about him specifically here in a second, this was not his best game, right? This was clearly not Mac Jones's best game. It wasn't his worst. I don't care what PFF says. It wasn't yeah. his worst. Yeah, it wasn't his best game, though. And the Titans also took away the Patriots' ability to run the football pretty effectively. And yet they still were able to move the football consistently, throw for a lot of yards, score some touchdowns in this game and put up points. So like you said, they beat a Titans team that was all sorts of banged up. I'm not sure how much stock I put into the fact that they beat the Titans, the number one seed in the AFC, given what was out there. But they did just add to that real quick. Yeah. On offense, they were banged up on offense. They still had two elite players on defense in Jeffrey uh, Simmons and, and Kevin Byard, who shocker talked trash again and then got lit up at Gillette. I've seen that one yeah. before. Yeah, that was fun. You look at Mac throwing for over 300 against a good defense when they were taking away the running game and forced the ball into Mac Jones's hands. He was able to move the football through the air, turnover free, by the way, which I think is really critical as well. And they were able to shut them out in the second half and make some adjustments specifically in the fourth quarter to tighten up a little bit in the run defense that was really porous in those middle quarters, right? The second and third quarter is when they broke off a lot of those big runs. A C C plus performance by the Patriots yields a 23-point win. And I think if you're a Patriots fan, that's what you have to fall back on. It's not let's poke the holes in the performance and let's worry about the run defense and let's how good it was. Mac really PFF says the worst game of his season. I know a lot of other people that evaluate the tape have said that it wasn't a good game for Mac as well, but if that wasn't a good game for Mac and that wasn't a great game overall for the Patriots on defense either, then what's a good game look like, right? Because they played pretty darn good and they won the game easily. So if we get a Patriots A game, which I think probably against Cleveland, that was kind of their A game, right? That was was everything at all cylinders hitting. If that is the worst that it's going to get moving forward, then that means that the best is, is way, way up here. Well, I mean, let's let's look at Mac Jones specifically in, in that yeah. PFF worst game of the year. If that's Mac Jones' worst game, if that's the yeah. worst game Mac Jones can play, where where does he rank in the league? Right. He's, a top five, he's a top five quarterback. If that's the worst game the Patriots ever get for Mac Jones, which PFF yeah. had his grade way down there, idiots, had his grade way down there. If that's the worst possible game Mac Jones can play, is he the fourth best quarterback in the league? Brady, Rogers, Mahomes, Mac, right? I've seen Russell Wilson play worse. I've seen yeah. Russell Wilson play worse games than that. I've seen Lamar Jackson play worse games than that. Who are the other top quarterbacks in the league if that's the worst that Mac can play? If that's the worst game Mac can play, then 14 NFL GMs should be fired for not drafting him because that is. Maybe anyways. They maybe well, should be it may be anyway. Yeah. All right. You're not yeah. wrong. Maybe anyway. I agree with you. Um, and that's not to, you know, make fun of Mac and say that he's not good. I do think he is. I think he, you know, he's not top three yet. I think he can get there. He's not top three yet. But if that's his worst game, then he's top three. That's the reality of it. Yeah. So I think that the issue is, is that the Patriots don't have the street cred of the Brady Patriots where when they play a game like that, where they're a little bit off, but they still beat a banged up team. We just say, Oh, well, you're not going to be perfect every single week. And we move on. They don't have that yet. Right. Because they have a new team and they have a, uh, a rookie quarterback, but maybe they should 
be getting that street cred a little bit more now. Why not? Because they they have certainly uh, played like that this year, or at least in this six-game stretch, like the Patriots teams that we've seen at times in the past. So I, I, I feel like I lean way toward, and maybe this is just the biased homer in me a little bit, but I way, lean way more towards this being first world problems and us recognizing that not everything was perfect on Sunday and that we have to have a better performance out of the run defense. I need to tighten things up in the red zone and closer to the goal line to finish with touchdowns instead of field goals. Right. But ultimately at this point in the year, you stack the wins together. Right. You take the win, you put it in your back pocket and you move on to the next week. We can worry about style points and execution in all three phases being sharp and touchdowns over field goals and all that kind of stuff in January. Is it a bigger picture concern? My answer is no. I think you fall under no as well. I think that this team is capable of more, but it certainly wasn't a these are all issues besides maybe them stalling, which we'll get to in a second. These are not all issues that we're concerned about that are going to continue to rear their ugly head and continue to repeat themselves. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think that, again, a lot of it was Mike Vrabel. And look at the coaches coming up on their schedule. I don't think – like, I would take Vrabel over McDermott. Uh, I would take Vrabel over – who even is in Indy now? It's it's Reich still, right? right? Frank Reich. I would take Vrabel over over Reich. Um, I would take Vrabel over Urban Meyer, obviously. Um, I'd probably take, take Vrabel over Florida. Like Vrabel to me is a top five coach in the league. He might be top three. I just think he's excellent what he's done. So that's a lot of what it was. It was just, you know, sometimes, and I know say it's Jimmy's and Joe's not X's and O's. Sometimes teams take away what you do. Well, sometimes teams just have a perfect game plan and they execute it really well. And you're just in the way. So I, I think that it was a case of a really good coach on the other side, a guy, Bill Belichick hadn't beat Vrabel was two and zero against him heading into that game. And that, that presented a challenge it was always going to present a challenge. Mike Vrabel's yeah. not coaching against you every week. We got, we got a bunch of mathy coaches coming up here. You know, let's not yeah. forget Sean McDermott blew it. 24, nothing lead to Bill O'Brien oh my of God. all people in the playoffs, Bill O'Brien, who college football, he's well, the we'll, we'll talk right about that in a second. college football you, You're going to, you can get your little, your little chart out again this week against Buffalo, because we do have the football yeah, versus like math again, right? But we'll talk about that. Just, just to hang right. on, just a reminder of how football versus the math is going this year. Right. Well, you're going to have to, you're going to have to update that after this week with Buffalo and after the Colts game too, right? So yeah. you got three games. I, I don't, I don't right know now. if I have enough room. I, I might not, I have room down here. I might, cause I can turn that into other, I might not, not have enough room up here. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I want to talk about Mac. I'm also, I also want to talk about the run defense because I think specifically I didn't get Adrian Phillips to bite on the question, but I tried to ask about schematically what the Titans did to expose the way the Patriots fit up outside zone. I think that they, they had a little bit of a game plan wrinkle or plan in mind for exactly how they knew the Patriots were going to fit outside zone. So we'll get to that in a second. I want to talk about Mac. You mentioned the PFF grade, his lowest PFF grade of the season came in this game against the Titans, despite him throwing for 310 yards and two touchdowns. Now, I think I I already wrote it once and I'll say it again here. Uh, PFF was too harsh on Mac Jones. There's no doubt about it. The couple of throws, I talked to Steve Palazzolo about this, uh, who's one of the head guys over there at PFF. 
they graded Max deep ball to Jacoby Myers as what they call a zero throw, which means it wasn't a, a positively graded play for the quarterback because they claimed that the throw was behind mm. Jacoby and brought oh, it no. back into the leverage That's of, horrible. of Kevin Byer. Uh, forgetting the fact that Mac came off his initial read on the play and threw a clear out deep ball, right? A, a route to a re- receiver that's running a clear out route on the play, broke off the script, and then was able to throw the football deep anyway. They also graded Kendrick Bourne's first touchdown pass as a zero throw. They said that that was luck, you know, not luck, but a better catch than it was a throw, right? A contested catch. So those two plays were Mac's two biggest besides, and then the 41 yard Kendrick Bourne catch, they said, well, 90% of that came after the catch. So how much do you credit the quarterback for that play? So those were his three biggest EPA plus plays, expected points added plus plays. And all three of them, PFF said were not that amazing, right? Not that impressive. So if that's the case, and then you also weigh into the fact that there were some throws that he missed in this game. Obviously, he missed a wide open Hunter Henry uh, for a touchdown. I thought there were also a few uh, throws in the red zone or scoring zone, if you will, that he missed as well in this game. But 310 yards, 310 yards. They moved the ball very easily. What is your overall evaluation of Max' performance? He was pretty good. He, I, I don't know what the hell they're talking about with these zero throws. I'm sorry. That's yeah. the throw to Kendrick Bourne. I, I get the one to Myers. If, if, if Byer plays that ball a little better, he probably knocks it down. You know, if you want to go tit for tat on that throw, we can go tit for tat on that throw. The touchdown throw to Bourne in the corner. You can't that he put that ball where only Kendrick Bourne could get it. He's either going to get a completion or a pass interference. I mean, that is textbook. That is how you draw that play up. Right. You show an actual football coach that play. They're not going to give it a zero. They're just not going to give it a zero. That was the textbook throw. It's, I thought, look, I thought Mac was good. I don't know that it was his best game because he did have, he missed the ball to Henry. He spiked the screen to, um, to Kendrick Bourne. Yeah. I thought that sequence was rough. That was a sequence that they graded a bunch of negative plays on. He spikes the screen to Kendrick Bourne and nearly throws a pick on the next play when the linebacker jumps the uh, Johnny Smith underneath right. route. Those so, two plays in a row were ugly. Not his not his best game, but certainly not his worst. And I think ultimately, you know, and this is this is a, a huge part of the reason I can't stand the PFF stuff in the math. You know, we get into it here. Is it's it's in a bubble. It's all done in a bubble, regardless of what the external circumstances are. And right. the way that game was going, the the flow, like the, the whole story of that game, the whole story of the game, the deciding factor of the game, Belichick said it after the game. Titans turned the ball over four times. The Patriots didn't turn the ball over once. And right. when you go back to, to, to March and we were talking about the draft and obviously Mac has since exceeded this. But when you go back to, to, to March, the reason me and other people were so high on Mac, especially for the Patriots, after they spent all that money, was he's never going to lose you games. He's just not going to. He's going to give you plays to keep you in it, and he's not going to give the ball away. And yeah. that's exactly what Mac did. So obviously we've seen him do more, but how? not just rookie quarterbacks. Like 
how many quarterbacks, that's the perfect kind of game for a quarterback to get frustrated, to get antsy, to start taking shots, right? The, especially when the running game's not there. He had every yeah. opportunity to get overly aggressive and force it. He was patient and he was calculated, right? We saw Matt Ryan fall into this trap two weeks ago. That's a veteran quarterback. We yeah. saw Justin Herbert fall into this trap. Mac was patient. He was waited. He took his profit where it was there. And that's why they won the game because he didn't get dumb and force throws and throw picks. He had one throw that maybe should have been picked, but it wasn't picked. He didn't throw the interception. He didn't turn the ball over. That's a good game, especially yeah. from a rookie quarterback. That's a great game to face that defense. Kevin Byer, ball, ball hawk in that secondary. Jack Rabbit Jenkins, veteran corner. He didn't, he didn't give him anything. He didn't turn the ball over. That's great. If Mac Jones doesn't turn the ball over, the Patriots are going to win way more often than they don't. That's just the reality of it. So I don't see how you can sit there and, and, and Mac doesn't turn the ball over once and you can tell me, oh, well, he needs to be better than that. He can be better. I'm not saying he can't be better. I think he can play better, but I don't know that he has to be better. I think that that was a perfectly acceptable game for Mac Jones. Yeah, I think the issue that I have with the with the grading and how harsh it was on Mac, because there definitely was a lot of throws that he would probably want to have back. And uh, I would say more so than throws he want to have back necessarily uh, are red zone sequences that he would like to have back, yeah. right? Where they that was his big issue. Yeah, where they left a lot of points on the field because he misses Hunter Henry wide open for a touchdown on the second drive of the game. They have Hunter Henry crossing over the middle of the field in the end zone, and he doesn't put it anywhere near him, right? It was tight coverage. I don't know if Henry would have would have caught the ball or not, but if he puts it near Hunter Henry in his catch radius and gives his tight end a chance to box out and make a play on it, that's what you're looking for in that situation. Instead, the ball sails five yards out of bounds. And then we mentioned the sequence there with the born spike into the ground on the screen and the INTable pass right after that and the scramble on third down. Those three sequences really stood out the most to me of areas where he could have done things better and, right. and maybe uh, put some more points and put some more touchdowns up on the board. With that being said, I think the one thing that a lot of these evaluations miss where we're just even though PFF talks about grading process, I think a lot of the times they get caught up in results too, because they look at where was the ball thrown? Was it thrown accurately? Was it thrown to a defender or not to a defender? But how about how Mac Jones has understand understood the entire picture, right? The entire concept of what the Patriots are running offensively. That is, I think is even more important than some of those other things because when you look at some of the plays that he did make and some of the throws that they did hit you can see how he understands okay you know he hits Myers on the sale concept right and the motion pulls the two flat defenders into the flat he looks at Myers and kind of gives a little pump fake to draw them up or looks at Bourne gives him the pump fake to draw him up and then he transitions back upfield and hits Myers on the corner route right because he's understanding the entire a sequence of events, right? He understands why they're motioning. He understands the coverage from the defense and what their responsibilities are. And he understands how to manipulate it and move it and then get the uh, throw open down the field. Play action concepts, right? You look at things like manipulating linebackers in the second level, getting the ball out and over the linebacker level so that they can affect the play action throws. On, uh, throwing on the move on that bootleg concept. Most importantly, I also would say putting the ball 
in advantageous places for his playmakers. I understand that we don't want to give Mac too much credit for the Kendrick Bourne touchdown because Kendrick Bourne turned a play that should have probably gained eight or nine yards into a 41 yard touchdown. Oh, Kendrick Bourne and Jacoby Myers and turned Jacoby a play Myers. that should have gained eight or nine yards into a 41 yard I touchdown. I get that. I get that. But look at the ball placement of where Mac Jones puts that throw on Kendrick Bourne instead of it being a little bit too far in front or a little bit too far behind or low or something like that, where Kendrick Bourne has to break stride before he turns up field. It's right here. Right. And it allows Kendrick Bourne to still run at full speed. And I think one of the things that you look at too, on that play action bootleg, I think this is a great example of it as well. He hits Johnny Smith right on the money and allows Johnny Smith to turn up field and pick up another eight or nine yards after the catch. Right. And the ball placement that he throws with consistently allows him to make these playmakers pick up yards after the catch. And we talk about this all the time with Brady, right? Brady, we always used to talk about this, how his ball placement would benefit his receivers and how receivers weren't fighting for the football. They weren't, you know, trying to contort their bodies or uh, going low and diving to make catches. And, you know, they weren't, everything was on the frame, right? And I think a lot of the times of so many uh, of Max throws, the timing in the ball placement is always benefiting them after the catch in terms of the receivers. And I, I think that that's a really important element of this game as well. So yeah, well, that's, were, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say like, that's something he did incredibly well at Alabama. That was a yeah. huge part of Alabama's offense. So it's not a surprise to see that. Yeah. yeah. I, I think his ball placement's been a big part of it. And you say, you don't want to give Mac too much credit. I will. Even when he misses, he's missing in the right spots. Like he missed Hunter Henry, but he missed long, right? If he misses that ball short, it's picked off. Yeah. So You don't want to miss, obviously, but if you're going to miss, throw where nobody can catch it instead of where the defender can catch it. And it feels like when he's missed, he's like, he's missed, like he's not letting the defenders make a chance, make a play on it. Yeah. It's really important. I would say as well, uh, just the the ball placement is just, it's impeccable sometimes how easy it is to catch his ball, but also just how effortless it is for the receivers to then transition into yards after the catch. And I don't mean to bring this all back to Cam Newton. I I hate doing that. But last year, we talked about this in the inverse a lot, right? Where we said, wait a second, that throws a little bit behind. That throws a little bit over his head. That throws a little bit over here. That throws a little bit over there. And it was torpedoing the offense, right? Because they weren't being able to pick up and run with the football afterwards. Mac does that. I remember a, a, a coaching clinic with Steve Sarkeesian and he was talking to a bunch of coaches and he was saying that at Alabama, their scheme is designed to throw to receivers that are moving, right? He didn't want to throw to stagnant receivers as he called it. He, he didn't want to throw the button hooks. He didn't want to throw the routes where receivers were not moving when they caught the football. So Mac was extremely used to, like you said, throwing to receivers and leading receivers into yak and throwing to them while they were moving slants, crossers, deep overs, things like that. And that's exactly what he's doing here with the Patriots. And I think that that's such an underrated skill about his game that grades like PFF and places like PFF, they, they treat yards after the catch as a receiver stat. 
right? That's a right. receiver metric. Whereas a lot of the time, yards after the catch, it, it's a play design metric a little bit, but it's also a quarterback metric at times as well, depending on on the throw and the ball placement. So that, that that's why I feel like the grades are a little bit harsh. Uh, I think he played a very good game within the confines of how the game was being called. And he ran the plays very, very well that they were calling. And so, yeah, his ball placement and some of his throws were a little bit erratic. But I, I, if I'm grading the process, right, the process was great. The results weren't actually as good as they could have been, which is it seems backwards, right? I think a lot of people are saying the box score stats are better than what the, the, the uh, process was. I look at it the other way. I think right. the process was great. I think he could have thrown for 400 yards in this game if he was a little bit sharper. If he missed Hunter Henry, Hunter Henry blows by Kevin Byard, and Mac isn't even looking at him. And he ends up throwing the ball to the left sideline and nowhere near the wide open receiver. I would have knocked that play more, but just because he, he's not going to miss the throw next week, right? right? If he gets the same throw, he's not going to miss it next week. So that's good process. That's good process. That's going to yield good results in the future. And I guarantee you that Josh McDaniels watched that play to Hunter Henry. And he said, your eyes are in the, in the right place. You had the right idea. You just didn't make the throw. Do the same exact thing next week, and it's a 26-yard touchdown, right? And I think that right. that's the, something that we have to focus on. All right, I want to talk about the run defense as well. That's the other big thing coming out of this game. And uh, discuss some of the issues that the Patriots had. Now, they gave up 270 on the ground. It wasn't a cheap 270 either. Not that it could be a cheap 270, but it wasn't, you know, there was one big run, the 68-yarder, right before half. But for the most part, this was 6.9 yards per carry, over 50% success rate. Uh, they were running it down the Patriots' throats. There, there was not a whole lot of cheap yards there. What is your concern level? Do you think that this is a one-game aberration or something that we should be more worried about? So I think the big thing is that the, what the Titans did, so they, the Titans didn't let the Patriots pull ahead. And that was the biggest thing because yeah. they basically kept the Patriots most dangerous. Christian Barmore, Matt Schuett on two most dangerous players on the Patriots defense, right? Yeah. The reason I don't put JC Jackson on that list is he's obviously very good, but like you can throw where he's not. You limit yourself, but you can avoid him. Matt Judon, Christian Barmore, they're coming to you. So with the, by by Titans, because Titans were able to stay in the game, Christian Barmore played only 52% of the snaps. That's his lowest in seven weeks. He's been above 60% the rest of that. Uh, Carl Davis, meanwhile, played a season high, 41% of the snaps. The reason for that is the Titans were able to run the ball. They forced the Patriots to keep that big defensive line out there of Wise, Guy, and, and Davis. Wise Guy, nice. Wise Guy and Davis. Not yeah. allow Judon to pin his ears back. Keep Christian Barmore off the field. And then you saw late in the game when the Titans wanted to throw, they couldn't do it because those guys got after him. So on one hand, like, I think that certainly is a blueprint. On the other hand, can it be replicated? Right. The Bills have struggled to run the ball. They don't the want to run the ball. They're, and they're they don't want, so that's the other thing. Yeah, so they, math team, right. Right? So Barmore should be able to be up back around 65% usage getting after the passer. Matt Judon should have more pass rush snaps this week. So I don't, you know, it's interesting. It's it's certainly something they need to work on, but I don't know the Bills have the offensive line to run the ball like the Titans did. I don't know that they have the backs to run the ball like the Titans did. I don't know that they have the scheme to run the ball like the Titans did. And if they can't do that, 
then that that whole advantage is irrelevant. So it's basically a matter of if the Patriots get up, that that whole thing the Titans did, you throw it out the window because he can't do it. I want to take a second to shout out our friends at betonline.ag. BetOnline has you covered all season, more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues the march to the playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Yeah, that's a great point, right? It's game script, right? If you right. have if you have a lead and they have to throw kind of like Cleveland because Cleveland ran the ball on that opening drive pretty effectively. The Patriots were able to stop the run for the most part after that, but the Browns weren't really allowed to run the football because of the score. Right. right. At that point, right. who knows what they would have been able to do on the ground in the fourth quarter. Right. You have no idea. Right. So exactly. I want to, I want to pull up this play. Um, and, and, and there's a couple of things I want to point out. One of them is actually, actually positive. Right. Uh, so that, that's good. But I, I want to look at this play, and I, I think that this is such a, a great example of what exactly went wrong uh, with the run defense. So uh, first and foremost, this is an outside zone scheme, right, by the, by the Titans. So everybody's going to step out, and they're going to turn up field uh, or, or towards the sideline, and they're going to try to run this stretch action outside. So what the Patriots are going to do against outside zone is they are going to essentially charge it up. So Dante Hightower right here on the play side, he is going to come into this combination block between the guard and the tackle, and he is going to force a cutback by the ball carry. So the Patriots, instead of the, when an outside zone, you can either turn the corner, you can bang it uh, on, on like a right off, off the tackle, or you can cut it back. That's the Those are the reads for the back. So the Patriots are going to force a cutback every single time on purpose. They want to dictate the terms. But what ends up happening, and I think this is where the Titans' schematic wrinkles kind of come into hand, and what they were able to do is they knew that the Patriots were going to fire Hightower at the playside combo block and force that cutback. So watch the center and watch the tackle here over Devon Godshaw. What they're going to do is they're going to turn Carl Davis and Godshaw outside. They're going to turn them, and then they're going to put this guard through to the second level immediately up to Jawan Bentley. So as we roll the play, you're going to see the uh, Dante Hightower come downhill at the play side block, right? Here comes the downhill. So that's going to trigger this cutback, and you see the lane here. But watch the center. See how the center has Davis turned out and see how Godshaw's held up here. And then you see that right guard being able to insert himself to the second level immediately. So you have Ben Jones, uh, the Titan center, who's awesome. Uh, he turns out Carl Davis, turn out here, and then guard right up to Bentley. And once you get up to that point, you see the lack of resistance and you see the huge hole. So the Titans knew that the Patriots were going to try to force these cutbacks, and then they were able to block it up from there in order to get downhill into the second level. So what do the Patriots do to combat this? Well, I think the most important thing, if you look at it, is 
this climb by the guard, right? This right guard here in the Patriots scheme, Godshaw or Davis, but one of those guys needs to disrupt the guard, right? They can't just let the guard go that cleanly up to the second level. That, that's going to be problematic for them. If they can get Davis or Godshaw, probably Davis based off the alignment, to occupy that guard just long enough that that allows Jawan Bentley to beat him to the spot instead of getting blocked down the field, then that's going to pay a huge dividends. But if you're going to force the cutback, then you better have backside pursuit, right? I mean, you can't, you have, you have to have one or the other. So the only good thing about this play happens at the end when Devin McCourty, the deep safety, is going to force Dante Foreman back inside. See how McCourty gets his hat outside of this block right here? That's going to force Foreman to not take the outside towards the sideline, but to cut it back inside. And that's how JC Jackson gets back in the play and strips the football. But I think the most important thing that you have to look at is what happens on the line of scrimmage. The strip is great, right? But better teams with better ball security are not going to fumble there. Occupying that right guard and not getting turned out on the backside there, that's what caused so many of the breakdowns with the run defense. And I, I think that in a lot of ways, that's something that can be fixed. But I think that this is a issue with how the Patriots fit up outside zone, that they might need to do it a little bit differently in the future uh, to avoid that kind of thing from happening, or uh, they have to be more aggressive with pressing those blocks in, in the uh, second level. Dante Hightower, Jawan Bentley, when that guard pulls up and climbs to the second level, you got to crack them, right? You can't, right. you can't get caught on your heels, but that was by far the biggest issue with the run defense that we saw seems fixable to me. seems like more of an execution technique type of thing than something that all oh, they're just too slow or all oh, they're not physical enough or, or what have you. That was like kind of a more of a schematic breakdown than anything than a, than a personnel breakdown, I would say. Yeah, I mean, it's. I don't even remember if I said earlier in this show or I recorded my show with Matt Dolph right before that. This um, sometimes coaches just come with good game plans. Sometimes a coach sees something on film that a team's doing and they figure out how to counter it. I think that's just what this was a case of. It was a quality coach on the other side. The Patriots hadn't seen that in a couple of weeks. You know, Kevin Stefanski, coach of the year. Get the hell out of here with that. They hadn't seen a quality coach on the other sideline in a couple of weeks, and they saw it. and And I think he threw some some new things at them that they hadn't seen. Yeah, I, I think that he had a great feel of how the Patriots were going to fit it up and, and really hunted on their rules, right, in terms of their run fits. And probably because he was in the run fit, right? Like he was literally a part of the defense at one point in time. So I think the Patriots uh, played a coach that really knew uh, how they were going to do that and how they were going to fit it up and, and a good job by Mike Frabel and his staff to throw that wrinkle could the Colts do a similar thing? Potentially, like you said, Buffalo, probably not it, right? Probably not going right. to be the team that's going to exploit that. Indianapolis is the team the Patriots will definitely have to worry about um, moving forward. Uh, let's bounce back over to the offensive side of the ball here. And uh, because there's not much to talk about with the pass defense. So uh, Tannehill threw 26 dropbacks. Uh, it was not a whole lot there. I want to bounce back over to the offense and discuss the running game or the lack thereof within the running game. And uh, specifically what I saw was the offensive line had a really difficult time moving uh, this Tennessee defensive front. And I think going into the game, we probably could have guessed, uh, we talked about it on the preview show, that this was probably not going to be an easy game to run the football. The one thing that did surprise me, though, is that I, since he's been back from injury, I would say this was probably Trent Brown's worst game 
uh, of the uh, of the comeback here so far. Uh, he had a really difficult time kicking out the edges, as did Isaiah Wynn. Harold Landry and um, I, I'm blanking on their other edge defender that played in this game, uh, Robinson or Roberson or something like that. Uh, he did a really good job, too of setting the edge and uh, they, they were very difficult to kick out and that really blew up a lot of the Patriots run plays, but you stop the run, you take that away from the Patriots and they throw for 310 yards and 11 for 12 for 169 off play action. So the Patriots uh, did, you know, the Titans stopped the Patriots number one thing and the Patriots went to their number two thing and still be, were able to move the ball just fine. Yeah, and again, that's you know what we've talked about that they're finding different ways to to have success in yeah you know when something's taken away and because the running game had been a big part of what they were doing here during this running streak and and it, something else too I just want to touch on from the running game because it's something we've talked about the last couple of weeks we always get these questions and it's something I've explained and we saw it in practice uh, or in the game as, as it were you know, why isn't Ramondre Stevenson the number one back Ramondre Stevenson, yeah. you know, he looks so much better than Damian Harris. He should get all the carries. Like you don't, I, I think Ramondre Stevenson's really good. Neither of these guys are bell cow backs. They're really, there's like two bell cow backs in the NFL. Like there's yeah. nothing wrong with not being a bell cow back. And you saw what happened late in that game. It was cold. It was a long game. That defense was worn down and Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris were both fresh because they'd been rotated throughout that game. Yeah. And you, you saw it there where late in the game, right? Damien, uh, Ramondre Stevenson's running over guys, right? He trucked that safety, and then Damien Harris closes it. That 14-yard touchdown run at the end, what, 11, 12 of those yards were after contact? So, yeah, you know, I think that's, that's something to remember why they're rotating the backs, because even if the running game struggles, the way this running game is built, they're going to have more success as the game goes on. And I think it's really important to keep that in mind here. And that's why it's not 80-20 Ramondre Stevenson, Damian Harris. So they get that effect. Yeah, I thought it happened. It took a little bit longer than maybe I was expecting it to happen uh, going into the game just because of the Titans injuries. But the plan of throwing the football effectively, getting up on the scoreboard with the passing game, and then finishing with the running game did eventually come to fruition, right? And they were right. able to run the football late and close the game out with the running game. And I, I think that that was the script the Patriots wanted. Again, maybe they thought it was going to happen a little bit sooner in the game or were hoping it was going to happen a little bit sooner, although maybe not. After the game, Bill Belichick said we knew that this game was going to be tough. Right. We knew that they were going to play for four quarters and we knew it was going to be a battle. And that's exactly what we got. That's what he said in that post game uh, locker room speech after the game on Patriots.com. So they knew that this was going to be a dogfight. They knew this was going to be a grind and they were able to eventually get the football uh, and run it in the fourth quarter. I think they had 47 yards rushing heading into the fourth quarter. And then they had 53 yards rushing or 54 or whatever it was in the fourth quarter alone. So they really broke out the running game late and were able to break through there. So early on, I was in, I was a little bit uh, surprised to see how hard the tackles uh, jobs were with the edges of the Titans defense. But again, I guess maybe when you're coached by Mike Vrabel, who's one of the best edge setters in, in Patriots history, uh, you, that's what you get, right? You know, um, maybe that that's, that's where those guys are getting coached up properly on the techniques and stuff like that of edge setting. So uh, we'll see. A lot of questions in the chat about Mike Onwenu. We're going to get these questions all all season long until Onwenu starts playing some more. Um, 
I don't know where they put him. We keep talking about this. I, I, I don't know where they put him. You know, Ted Karras has been really solid for them. He did give up a sack, but other than that, was pretty clean in this game. And he brings a cerebral aspect to the position that they really like. Bill Belichick gave on Friday, what, a, a 300, 400-word answer about how Ted Karras being a center has translated to guard and how important that is for the team and for the co- continuity and the chemistry and the communication of the team and all those types of things. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, we talk about this every week. They they like Karras better right now. They think Karras right. is the glue guy for them. They think that he brings a, a different uh, IQ and dimension to that position that isn't just about who has the highest Madden rating. Right. You know, right. this is about deeper things than that. And I mean, you saw Michael and Winnie getting the game last week too. Like he can still play. I wonder if at a certain point it becomes a matchup thing. Right. Like, Oh, Hey, Ed Oliver is not a big guy. Like, yeah. you know, maybe we want Michael Owen in this game to just bully him out of the game. And then against the Colts with Darius Leonard, that's a really smart player. Let's see if we can get that extra center set. Of, not that Michael Owen is not smart, but let's get that yeah. extra center center eyes on the field and Ted Karras against the Colts. Like you can match it up. Hey, we know we're going to run the ball this drive. Let's get Michael and Wenu in there. Like, Hey, there's probably going to be blitzes coming here. Let's get Ted in there. Like, right. I, do they, it could be as simple as that. They could alternate them. Also, I think Ted yeah. Karras and Michael and Wenu have the same Madden rating. I'll check that. <laughs> and, and also I, I think the six Oh line package is coming eventually. Right. I, I think that they're, yeah, they're, I was surprised. We didn't see it more. I was surprised yeah. you didn't see it more against the Titans, given the way they were running the ball. This is it, a great might... comment in the chat right now. Nailed it. Uh, an ec- a good extra offensive line. When poor us. Like that. Stop yeah. complaining about it. They have six yeah. starting caliber offensive linemen. It's good. The, the, this goes in the first world problems category, right? That, oh, that's, yeah. that, that's where this belongs. Uh, maybe this week against Buffalo with the run defense that Buffalo has shown has, has struggled at times this year with Indianapolis running all over them. Maybe that's when they bring out the 6-0 line. And they get into uh, some of those heavier packages to run the football. Um, the last thing, or uh, let me think on my list here. Oh yeah, I want to talk about some of the the skill players. I, I think it's important to to talk about some of the emergencies here. Um, Kendrick Bourne has not only had did he have two touchdowns in the game. The forty-one yarder was a great catch and run. But the side of Bill Belichick that has come out with Kendrick Bourne. I've never seen Bill like that with a player before. That did you see the video from the locker room after the game? Yeah. Alex? I I have never seen Bill like that before, oh. ever uh, with a player. Now, obviously, maybe he's more like that when there aren't cameras around and things like that. But you talk about Judon. We talked about this a lot with him on the defensive side of the football, bringing that juice, bringing that energy. Belichick mentioned Jalen Mills in a similar category as that as well. But how about? How about Kendrick Bourne's energy and, and just the thing, the intangible things that he's brought into this group, I, I think is really important as well, as, along with obviously the on-field production having a career year. Yeah, I think Kendrick Bourne's been, you know, just a home run signing. And you hear part of the reason I think Bill likes him so much is you hear him talk about what a difference the coaching staff has made. And I mean, he's a completely yeah. different player. Than he was in San yeah. Francisco. You know, he's doing everything that those two touchdowns he scored, you can't have more polar opposite touchdowns. How many receivers are making both of those plays, right? right. So I think he's, I, I, you know, we talked about how much Bill's bought into him. And yeah, it's certainly a fair point. I think Bill's bought into him because he's bought in so hard on everything the Patriots are doing. And he did it from day one. Remember, he talked about like, 
you know, to go like he basically talked like 2020 didn't exist. I remember like his opening yeah. press conference. He's like, This is a team that competes for Super Bowls. I'm gonna have a chance to win a Super Bowl. I'm on one of the best teams in the league. Like he bought in from day one. He's been incredibly coachable. They've made him like he's a much better player now than he was weeks one and two. Yeah. It's the reality of it. It's happened that quickly. I think him and Mac have a great chemistry. He's been just an absolute home run signing. He really has been. Um, and he's also just a, re- a really fun guy, really cool guy, really easy yeah. to report. But yeah, so yeah, much energy. Been, I, I think he kind of him and Judon embody what this team is in, in yeah. 2021. I, I really believe that. Yeah, I, I it is fascinating because I, I watched a lot of born tape in San Francisco. I talked to people that are, are film nuts like me that watched a lot of Niners tape over Kendrick Bourne's entire career. And they told me the comparisons I always got were like Muhammad Sanu when he, you know, younger Muhammad Sanu, right? Just a possession receiver, a reliable target, you know, not flashy, not fast, not explosive, uh, not going to make many highlight reel plays, but he's just going to be a steady Eddie type of presence in the middle of the field, run the tough routes in the slot. He's not that for the, he's more than that for the Patriots, right? He's been better than just a reliable slot guy. That's not afraid to take a hit over the middle, right? You know, he's been somebody that's elevated his game yards after the catch contested catch rate, a bulk near the top of the league amongst wide receivers, uh, somebody that is uh, really blossomed into an explosive playmaker for the Patriots, a big play guy, a touchdown machine in, in a lot of ways too. And uh, that that's great to see the development because I think the most uh, rewarding thing out of this with Kendrick Bourne is that the Patriots have had issues developing at that position, right? They've had right. issues with developing wide receivers and Bourne after the game on Sunday said – I gave a ton of credit to the coaching staff for developing him. He said, it's dope how they're developing me. That was a direct quote. It's dope how right. they're developing me. You don't hear Nikhil Harry saying that, right? You know, you, you don't no, hear. No, you do not. <laughs> yeah. You, you don't hear a lot of receivers saying that in New England, that the Patriots coaching staff has made huge, paid huge dividends for them. Right. And so that, that right. means they must be doing something right with Kendrick Bourne, at least, which hopefully will trickle out to some of the new younger players that they bring in at that position in the future. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and by the way, can we talk about like Kendrick Bourne is the best wide receiver signing for agency in terms he's of production there. this year. He yeah. leads in yards and touchdowns. He's second in yeah. catches. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's been, he's been so Corey Davis, uh, Curtis Samuel is a free agent. Corey Davis right? is more catches. Nobody has yeah. more yards. Nobody has more touchdowns. Right. And they're also force feeding Corey Davis because he's their $13 million a year guy. So, right. uh, you know, that's a big part of it. Uh, hey, uh, Johnny Smith uh, exists, yeah. right? Yeah. Johnny Smith exists. It wasn't the biggest stat line in the world, but I, I thought that they found some ways off of play action, crossing routes, uh, little flares into the flats, things like that, that finally looked like Johnny Smith had a role in this offense, right? Or like he belonged, which I thought was really important. Yeah, I I think that that was big. I think we're starting to see that picture build. And again, you can't write the guy off because you see the flashes. The flashes are there. It's just a matter of consistency. And it feels like on a four-year deal, eventually they'll figure that out. So uh, encouraging game for John Smith. Really happy for him that he got to do that against his former team too. So yeah, baby steps. You'd like it to come along a little quicker, but it does feel like his role in the offense is coming along. Yeah, and I wanted to mention this when we were talking about Mac. The one thing that I really hope that they're able to get out of Johnny Smith moving forward is 
utilizing him more in the red zone because he was a big time red zone weapon for the Titans. I think he had eight or nine touchdowns last year for Tennessee, all inside the 20 using him down there, uh, scheming him open, using the the horizontal stretch of the field that he can present uh, with his yak ability, I think is important. I think the, the one thing that, you know, when you talk about first world problems versus legit concerns, uh, the Patriots right now, Alex actually are number one in the league and drives that end in points in terms yes, of uh, 50%. Yeah. So they're at 49.6%, the number one team in the league at producing points per drive, which is impressive. Now the problem is that, you know, I can see with the numbers is they are also number one in the league and field goal percentage, right? They are the only team in fact, over 19%. They're at almost 25% field goal rate right now. So half of those scoring drives are field goals. They are 13th in touchdown percentage. So speaking about this offense and starting one for six or whatever it was in touchdowns and two for five in the red zone overall in this game, stalling has been a little bit of a problem for them, right? Kicking field goals has certainly, this was not just one game admiration where uh, they kicked six field goals. They've been kicking a lot of field goals this year. and it's good when you have a good kicker, right? Like Nick Folk, who's going to make five out of six and only miss one over 50 yards. It's a good thing, but they do need to finish drives better. And I do think that play calling in the red zone is a factor there. But I also imagine that Johnny Smith uh, could possibly have a larger role down the stretch here in their red zone offense. You have Johnny, you have Hunter Henry, you have Kendrick Bourne as red zone guys. I think that's a pretty decent trio there that could maybe produce uh, more touchdowns. Yeah, I would say, too, I, I think a lot of that stalling is earlier in the season. Obviously, six field goal attempts on um, yeah. Sorry, well, on Sunday. Last, but The last two weeks, because, again, I mean, I know Atlanta was a Thursday night game and all that kind of stuff, but they kicked a lot of field goals in Atlanta also. So I would, I would also say, though, okay, but they're also score. So they're kicking a lot more field goals than anybody else, but they're also scoring a lot more than anybody else. So it's – and I know you gave the touchdown – the touchdown number was what, 13% yeah. or something like that? No, so they're 13th um, in the league. They're at like 25% on each, like basically an even split of field goals to touchdowns, right? Because they're at 49.6 overall. It's like 25% and 25%. But they're 13th in the league in touchdown rate. They're first in the league by a substantial margin in field goals, right? So they're, most of their drives are ending in field goals that are ending in points. But at the, those drives for other teams, they're maybe not even scoring. And let's flip right. this to the other yeah. side of the ball for a second here, right? We do red zone percentage now. It wasn't like this for like a couple of years there, and it was weird. Where like red zone percentage was calculated totally on scoring, which made yeah. no sense because like yeah. the worst red zone defense in the or the best red zone defense in the league is like ninety three percent. Now they just do it with touchdowns. Let's go back to that old school for a minute. Yeah, Patriots are allowing points any kind, points yeah. of any kind on just 70% of their defensive red zone possessions. That's an absurd number. Like, think yeah. about that for a second. They've also that been great ab- on third down defensively. Right. Too. Yeah. Well, so there are five teams in the league who are, who have, are allowing touchdowns, just touchdowns, greater than 70% of the time. Yeah. Patriots aren't allowing their opponent to score 30% of the time. So, you know, I think that they're making up for that on the defensive side of the ball because they're coming away and I know people say, oh, there's been so many missed field goals against Patriots. Only uh, of their 11 stops, only three are field goals. I actually have the number right here. Shout out to Mike Giardi, who just retweeted this tweet and put it back on my uh, phone for me. Nope, that's a different tweet. Um, anyway, Patriots are at a wildly impressive rate, stopping teams altogether from scoring in the red zone, not field goals, stopping them altogether. 
They got uh, four interceptions, two fumble recoveries, three turnovers on downs. So they're making up for it on the other side of the field. I'm going to audible and talk about cannabis, specifically Massachusetts premier cannabis dispensaries, INSA, I-N-S-A. They're the premier because the founders, Pat and Pete, re-engineered the cannabis model from what they sell to how they sell it while never forgetting it's for everyone. Insta dispensaries are inviting and modern, so come in just to learn more. The staff are authorities on the science who answer every question from the differences between flowers and concentrates to offering for insomnia and anxiety or reco for hanging with friends. Insta has a world-class head chef too and only hires the most respected growers who perfected their craft when it wasn't so legit. One last thing, the Insta founders aren't VCs from Silicon Valley, but lifelong pals from Springfield. So there's another local team to root for, Insta. In Salem, East Hampton, Boston Delivery, and two Springfield locations, including just one off I-91 beside the MGM Casino. Mention we said to stop by for a sweet t-shirt or for one penny, insa.com or 877-500-INSA. And they're making up for it in field position, right, as well. Best starting field, average starting field position in the NFL belongs to the Patriots right now. Second uh, best passing, uh, or excuse me, scoring efficiency belongs to the Patriots. Well, hang on. Uh, Let's Can can we flip that? Because it's not just, 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 they have the best starting field position. They have the third best opponent starting field position. Yeah. Get, you know, it's really interesting, though, because uh, the Bills, uh, who they're obviously playing on Monday night, are second in a lot of these categories. Well, yeah, so uh, it's it's it is because there's the Bills are second in scoring efficiency and they're second offensively in average starting field position. Both two teams that play good in the kicking game and turn you over a lot defensively, obviously rank high in average starting field position. So uh, let me just kind of contextualize some of what we were talking about before and what you just said, because I have the numbers right here. Patriots are, are uh, opponents have scored points of any kind, touchdown or field goals, 21 to 31 trips into the red zone, 67 percent. That's best in the league. They've allowed 15 touchdowns, third fewest in football, uh, six field goals, third fewest. This is in red zone, red zone drives. Uh, they have four interceptions, which are the most, uh, two turnover on downs and a fumble recovery. So when you go back to that starting field position, right, think about how good it's been when 10 of their drives have started inside the opponent's 20, and that's a good thing. It's not like they got downed with a punt. Yeah. It's not like they had a bad kick return. Like, I, I'm curious what that number is when you take – maybe I should go through and do this. I'm curious what that number is when you take those 10 drives out. Their average scoring position, when you take away the red zone stops, might be close to the 40-yard line, Yeah, which is absurd. Yeah. Yeah. So – We'll see. I I need more touchdowns. That that's a, that's my nitpick of this offense. I thought Mac played fine. I thought everything else was fine. I think all of this uh, crying over PFF grades and and uh, you know evaluating oh Mac wasn't good enough here, wasn't good enough there. When it comes down to it, I just think that they need to finish more in the end zone. And if they do that, their offense is going to be golden. And uh, we should stop uh, crying about all the PFF grades and all that kind of stuff. And well, uh, real quick to PFF, yeah, yeah. Matt Arise is in the draft. You got to put kickers and punters in the mock draft machine. You got to do it. This, there's no I'll, excuse not to this year. There's a punter that's going to go top 100. I'll, he should I'll, be in the mock draft. I'll try machine. to pull some strings and get your guy you, in. You because when we do our mock drafts, and to people new to the show, between free agency and the draft, we we like come on here and we do a mock draft. We put it up on the screen. We do one mock draft a week. We're taking Matt Ariza at least once, <laughs> and if we're not doing it on PFF, we'll do it somewhere else. All right, I'll, I'll see what I can do about that. Really quickly here to wrap it up, I do want to talk about the Bills just a little bit. Well, no, meeting. no, there's one more, one more we got to talk about from the Titans. What is it? 
Nick Folk hit five field goals, uh, man. Okay. He was All awesome. Right. All right. Nick Folk the, was great. The, you can't the kick not acknowledge the, that. Kick, the kick into the open end of the stadium, the 52-yarder into the lighthouse, that was – that's a balls kick right there. You know, yeah. that that's a really, really difficult kick. Uh, Bullock, Randy Bullock, doing two going in that direction, right? So an extra point and a field goal. Folk is money. I mean, what else can you say? The guy's awesome. You know, he's yeah. he's just awesome, and it, it's great to have. I, I have – the utmost confidence if the Patriots are in a playoff game and it's, and it's 17, 17 with three seconds to go and they're in field goal range, I, I he's going to make it, you know, like it, it just, you really feel like it's, it's reached that point with Nick Folk and I, I we'll see if he gets to the longevity cause he's up there right in age, but right. he's trending towards being one of the better uh, kickers just in terms of, uh, you know, the short time that he's been with the team in Patriots history, right? He's got, I think he just tied right. Goskowski's record for the most 50 plus yarders. He's going to shatter that record by the end of the season. Uh, he's probably going to set a franchise record for like field goals made and stuff like that this year, if they keep on kicking this many field goals. So he's, he's been awesome. I, he, he might be an all pro this year. I mean, he's, he's been the best kicker in football through 12 weeks. There's still yeah. ways to go, but he, he'd have my vote right now. Yeah. All right. And I take special teams seriously, so I'm not just throwing that out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I think he's he's right in, in line right now, especially with the Patriots, um, you know, being in the public eye now, you know, especially them yeah. being the Patriots and being on a lot of national TV games and stuff like that. I think he's going to get the votes. All right, quickly here, a couple minutes on the Bills. Um, Alex, get your chart back out, right? Get, 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 get your print back out. I, I wanted to bring up this stat um, on the Friday show. Let me see if I can pull it up real fast, but that uh, this is uh, the only stat, Yeah, but uh, no, cause you're going to love this stat. Actually. I think you're going to, you're going okay. to love this one, but I want to uh, just hear your, your impressions on this game with Buffalo. This is to me a, one of the biggest games the Patriots have played in, in a really, really long time. Obviously, you know, they played a Super Bowl just a couple of years ago, so it's kind of hard, but just, in terms of uh, actually competing for the division, uh, going to Buffalo, Monday night football, uh, this is a fun game. You know, there's no other way to put it. This is going to be a really fun game. Yeah, I think, you know, if you're the Patriots and you take this one, we've talked about, they re- realistically, they need to just split with the Bills. If they split yeah. with the Bills, they're in good shape. And you figure Bills are coming off a Thursday game, extra time to prepare. They're at home, prime time. Like, this game favors the Bills. But, you know, if you you win this one, Suddenly the Bills have lost three of five. Suddenly they don't have that inside track in the division. I don't think this is an incredibly mentally tough team. You might bury them. You might bury them if you win this game. So, you know, there's a lot going on here. I think for the Patriots, first and foremost, score first. What we saw against the Titans is you need to get ahead. You need them. You don't want teams to be able to run the ball freely so you can get your pass rush going. Score first. Um, Stop the run. If they are going to run, you got to be able to stop the run. Take the run away. I'm fine letting Josh Allen throw the ball in this game, believe it or not. He's struggled in recent weeks. He hasn't looked good. He certainly didn't look good against the Saints. I know he threw four touchdowns. One was a screen. The other one, Marshawn Lattimore, fell over at the 15-yard line. And then, Evan, I know you have better numbers to back this up, but he's been bad against zone this year. He hasn't been able to figure out zone. And what a great time for the Patriots to start playing zone, right? So I think if you do all that, and then the big one on offense, I talked about it before, just don't turn the ball over. I think if you don't turn the ball over, you'll get enough plays from Ramondre Stevenson and Kendrick Bourne that if Josh Allen gives you a couple extra possessions, that can be the difference. So it's all easier said than done. Uh, You know, Bill's got a good defense too. 
and, and they're going to be out there ball hawking. But yeah. I think if again, take away the run either by getting up big or just just stacking the box. Zone against Josh Allen. Huge game for J.C. Jackson. He can make himself probably fifty million dollars if he has a good game. You yeah, know, like there might be like a fifty million dollars swing for him here. Um, yeah. And then don't turn the ball over. And that that's that. You know, that's yeah. simple. I think that's a great breakdown. Mac Jones in this game, I feel like, and I, I mean this in the utmost respectful type of way, game manager game for Mac Jones, right? Don't turn the ball over. Don't be the reason why your team loses. Don't try to be do too much. Don't try to be a hero, right? Don't try to put up uh, 400 yards on Monday Night Football against the best pass defense in the NFL. Don't hold the ball in the pocket trying to wait for the big play to put the highlights up there. Just do your job. Just manage the game. Don't turn it over. Let the run game, let the screen game, let the play action passing take effect, and let the scheme do the work on Monday night because this Bills defense absolutely feasts on aggressive quarterback play, right? They are a turnover machine. They are a pressure machine. So if you're going to stand in the pocket and try to throw the football down the field, that's a recipe for disaster. Defensively for the Patriots, I, I got my stat for you i know this is gonna drive you bonkers so i can't wait to pull it up and show you this chart here my, my fancy chart if it will pull up i don't i don't know what's going it's, on i'm here. seeing it i see it okay so this is early down pass frequency right or just pass frequency in general no this is this one's early down early I'll down, do the early down. i'll do the i'll do the general one later look at buffalo look at how far ahead they are of everybody else in early down pass frequency they are the most pass happy team in the entire nfl they're going to throw the football they're gonna spread the field this is not going to be a ground game all those types of things but i think it's absolutely fascinating and this is situation neutral right so this is uh right takes out double digit leads takes out the last two minutes of halves things like that we're just talking about uh neutral situations buffalo look at how far ahead they are of everybody else so you you can hold up that chart again alex anytime you want uh this is a math game this and is by the way wait game. hang on pull that back up real quick see where, do you see where the patriots are they're barely yeah, they're like, unfortunately yeah yeah they are like right ahead. in the middle 51 percent yeah. yeah. that is that i believe is the perfect percentage of throwing on first down is 51 percent I yeah. think that's exactly where you want to be. I, I have said that before I saw this chart. Okay. So, because here's the problem with the math. Here is a major problem. And I've said that three times and I followed it with three different things, but here's a major problem with the math. You may, you can look at your spreadsheet and follow it and it's going to tell you what to do, but guess what? Unlike, you know, a real game plan that you concoct in like a meeting room with the doors closed that nobody can see. Pony can see the spreadsheet. Pony can enter the same numbers. So, huh, it's first down. I wonder what the Buffalo Bills are going to do. Oh, they're going to throw the ball. Shoot on. Barmore, pin those ears back. Let's go. Like, I mean, you're just asking for it at that point. You have to have such a high level of execution for for your your offense to be that one-sided and work. And they had it last year. Credit to the Bills. They had it last year. Right. They don't have it this year. Regression Mm -hmm. to the mean. I've been telling you since August. The Bills were going to regress to the mean, and we've seen it, and the Patriots are in the perfect opportunity to capitalize on that because, again, and I don't know if you have a number on it or if it was just something you pointed out to me. Josh Allen struggles against zone coverage. Yeah. Patriots are running zone coverage. Yeah, specifically he struggles against two high shells, right? Again, single high, cover one, cover three type of looks. He's averaging nearly nine yards per attempt this year. 
against two high shells at 7.4 yards per attempt, right? Okay, so so too high. there's a huge difference. So quarters, cover two, that type of game. The game plan from general standpoint, though, reminds me a lot of what they did against Justin Herbert and the Chargers, right? You play zone right. coverage on the back end. You make it cloudy. You spin the dial post-snap. You confuse Josh Allen, make him beat you by death by a thousand paper cuts. Force him, Josh Allen, to be Tom Brady. Josh Allen wants to be a gunslinger. Right. He right. wants to throw the ball, make him be a precision, efficient pocket passer. That's what you want to turn him into. And then you have a chance. But I'm really fascinated in this game because it is a math versus uh, the actual football for, for Alex. And I'm really fascinated to see the tape tells you to run the football against the Patriots. Right. They, the Patriots just gave up. 270 yards on the ground to the Tennessee Titans. The tape is telling Buffalo to scheme up some run plays. On top of that, the Patriots are probably going to come into this game expecting to play a lot of dime, right? A lot of dime package defense, a lot of sub rush package uh, with Christian Barmore and Dietrich Wise and the linebackers up at the line of scrimmage blitzing the quarterback. If they run the football against the Pats, that might actually take the Patriots by surprise. Right. That might actually be something the Patriots aren't prepared for. And lo and behold, Buffalo doesn't want to run the ball. So if Buffalo is for real, if Buffalo has any coaching chops and if Brian Dable is as good of a coach and as good of an offensive mind as everybody claims he is, they will come in on a Monday night and they will run the damn football. Right. They'll run it, but they won't. They won't. They won't. They They won't. won't. Yep. They won't, and, you know, I don't know how you could watch that Titans game last week. The Patriots-Titans did not run the ball, but they're not going to run the ball. They're going to come out. They're going to throw, and we saw it against the Saints. It might work for a little bit, and Josh Allen, he'll start going underneath it. Cole Beasley, boom. Right. Uh, Dawson Knox, bang, here and there. Right. He's going to get impatient. If yeah. you keep taking away the plays over the top, he's going to get impatient. We saw it last week. We've seen it earlier this season. If they can't be – so here's the other part of it. I'm actually a little surprised they're running the ball that much because part of what made them so good last year is they were running the ball very well, and yeah. it it really strung well, defenses the, out. The funny thing is is that they do run the ball for a high uh, yards per carry average, right? They're, they're averaging, right. especially uh, Singletary is averaging, I think, almost five yards per carry, but they just don't run the ball that much. you know. And, and the teams sit in these two high shells – they sit one short in the box because they know Buffalo is not going to run it 40 times against them. So, so what? So you give up five yards per carry every five plays, you know, so be it. Right. It really doesn't matter. So this is a, a fascinating game to me because you have a coach in Bill Belichick, who's the ultimate game plan coach. And you know, if you're Buffalo, he now has it. What this is not week 16 last year where Bill doesn't have the horses, right. And Bill doesn't right. have the personnel to shut this passing attack down. You know that Belichick is going to have something ready for Josh Allen and for Stephon Diggs and this Bills passing attack. They are going to game plan all week long to defend the pass. Will Buffalo run? Will they run the ball? Nope. Will they come out with two tight ends and run the football down the Patriots' throats like the Titans just did? Or will they die by their own, you know, their own trick of the trade, right? You know, will, will they die throwing the football? It's like a team in basketball that shoots a ton of three-pointers, right? You live, right. You, it's a make-miss league. You live or die by the threes. When you miss them, you lose the game. That, that, is that the type of team Buffalo is? Are they a three-point 
basketball team on a football field that's just going to play their game and just going to shoot 43s a game. And if they miss, you know, 70% of them, then they lose. They hit 70% of them, they win. Or are they an actual smart team that will game plan the Patriots and know what to do against New England? Well, do you want some historical context here? Sure. Against the, against the Jaguars. Josh Allen threw the ball 47 times. Yeah. 47 times. By the way, they ran the ball pretty well. 72 yards on 14 carries. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, Josh Allen threw the ball 47 times. Basically what the Jaguars said is, all right, we, you know, go ahead. Go ahead. Throw the ball, dink and dunk your way down the field. And eventually Allen got frustrated yeah. and he gave up. And then the other one, what week did they play the Dolphins? I'm trying to find it. Was that last week? That was, a, I, no, I don't think it was last week. They played New Orleans and they played the Colts the week before that. Didn't they? No, didn't they almost lose to the Dolphins? Uh, that might've been earlier in the year. Hang on. Let me, let me find it. Or maybe it was the Jets. Did they almost lose to the Jets? Cause if it's the, just hang with me for a sec. Cause if it's the game I'm thinking of, they beat the Dolphins. Here it, is. Yeah, it was okay. against the Dolphins. They pulled away late. They won 26 to 11. Right. But right. This right. Was right. Also, they scored 16 points in the fourth quarter because the Dolphins yeah. just started turning the ball over. But if you look at what happened in that game, if my computer comes along again, Josh Allen threw the ball 42 times. Yeah. Like they basically, when they get one dimensional, when they get one dimensional, they can't operate offensively. And if you're the Patriots and you get ahead, you know, as one dimensional as they are naturally, if you can go up 10, nothing, 14, nothing, that's the running game's gone. Yeah. It's completely gone. And then you can just, again, sit back in that two-eye shell and wait for Josh Allen to throw you one, which he will do. Yeah. All right. Well, it's going to be another uh, actual football versus the math uh, game here on Patriots Speed. Alex and I will be back on Friday to, uh, believe it or not, that wasn't the Buffalo Bills preview show. Uh, We're going to have another full preview show on Friday afternoon of Patriots Bills. Screw the Bills, though. They can get two previews about how bad Josh Allen's going to be. The Bills fans trying to tell me, oh, it's a different Josh Allen this year. It is a different Josh Allen because last year was yeah. a borderline MVP candidate. This year yeah. he's butt because that's what he is. I'm sorry. He was a 50% completion guy going back to high school, <laughs> back to high school. He was completing 50% of his passes. All of a sudden he goes to 74. Stephon Diggs is good. He's not that good. It was never sustainable. Wake up. All right. On that note, we will be back on the show on Friday afternoon. I see a bunch of people watching us live. We really, really, really appreciate that. If you could hit subscribe on Patriots Press Pass, that would be huge. Get those subscriber numbers up. That allows us to continue to do the show, continue to uh, produce these podcasts for you each and every single week. So Alex and I will be back on the show on Friday afternoon to preview Patriots bills. I'm pretty jazzed up about this one. I haven't been this excited about a Patriots game in a couple of years. So I'm really looking forward to talking about this one on Friday. So we'll have a lot more numbers, a lot more uh, game plan type stuff for you guys on Friday. But until then signing off for Alex Barth, I'm Evan Lazar. Thanks for watching everybody.